0: Music City USA Nashville Tennessee the home of country music and now home to the mute button that was never used RIP I
1: know no mute button I was in Nashville at the start of this year oh, were just you? for a visit Yeah. Um, And as you say, home of country music, you go to the honky tonk bars in the downtown area. We went to the Grand Old Opry. To be honest, Jackie, not a big fan of country music. So maybe a mute button would have been helpful (laughs) for some of the stuff that was coming out of the speakers. But yes, everybody was talking about the mute button that was going to be used at this week's presidential debate. And it wasn't needed in the end Mm -hmm. because lo and behold, both candidates, Donald Trump in particular, behaved themselves and didn't interrupt and weren't aggressive and didn't have to get their microphones cut off.
0: I have to say, I have a mute button. I'd never use it on you, though, Brian. But who knows? I might need it for our guests later on, though. Who knows what's to come?
1: You have the power. Oh, my goodness. You could cut anybody off. J- just do it for the fun, Jackie, later with one of our guests, just to show them what real power no, feels No, I won't like. <laughs> say anything and I'll just
0: kind of go, doot, doot, and you'll notice like a pregnant pause, maybe, throughout one of the interviews. Exactly. Spot the mute button. <laughs>
1: From RTE News, this is States of Mind. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America.
2: It's
3: hard to get any word in with this clown. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. In 47 months, I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe.
4: That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck.
5: Ladies
0: and gentlemen, the best is yet. Your U.S. election 2020 podcast.
1: With Brian O'Donovan in Washington.
0: And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today. But on behalf
5: of the voters, I'm going to ask you to please speak one at a time.
3: I am the least racist person in this room. This guy has a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. We did you know, it. Joe, I, I ran because of you. Because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. What is on the ballot here is the character of this country
2: decency, honor, and I'm going to make sure you get that. You haven't been getting it the last four
3: years.
0: After the hot mess, as Jake Tapper put it, of the first presidential debate when Donald Trump interrupted Joe Biden left, right and centre while Joe Biden insulted Donald Trump on several occasions, as if we need a reminder, it's in our intro montage. There was no uncomfortable squabbling this time around in the final debate that was supposed to be the third debate, but ended up being the second debate because the second debate got cancelled because of Donald Trump having covid
1: Yeah, all a bit confusing Should have been the third Ended up being the second But most importantly It's the last So that was it No more debates. The final one last night. And yes, that's what everybody was commenting on afterwards. And it was the first thing that struck you. Cooler affair, calmer affair, none of the interruptions, none of the shouting. I think Donald Trump had to be like that. He went down in the opinion polls after that first presidential debate because he was so aggressive, so interrupting. It did him absolutely no favours. Of course, he told everybody, oh, I won the debate. I was the stronger performer on the night. But reading the polls it did him no favors and i have no doubt that all of his team and all of his his advisors of telling him you have to tone it down on this occasion he did and it gave us a better debate it wasn't as entertaining mm-hmm. it wasn't as controversial but at least we got to hear some points that both the candidates were trying to make
0: before we go any further i i think the moderator kristen welker deserves a huge boolabus for her oh, she skills was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah last very night
5: good evening from belmont university in nashville tennessee I'm Kristen Welker of NBC News, and I welcome you to the final 2020 presidential debate between President Donald J.
0: Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. So the NBC News anchor, and she's a White House reporter as well, she went into this under a lot of pressure. President Trump accused her of being a dyed-in-the-wool radical-left Democrat, and there were attacks on her from some US media outlets giving out about her parents' history, of donating to Democratic politicians, her parents. And not only that, she had a lot to control after the two men had it out in the last debate.
5: And I do want to say a very good evening to both of you. This debate will cover six major topics at the beginning of each section. Each candidate will have two minutes uninterrupted to answer my first question. The debate commission will then turn on their microphone only when it is their turn to answer, and the commission will turn it off exactly when the two minutes have expired. After that, both microphones will remain on, but on behalf of the voters, I'm going to ask you to please speak one at a time the goal is for you to hear each other and for the American people to hear every word of what you both have to say.
1: Yeah, and of course, after that last debate, it's rare that you spend so much time talking about the moderator or the presenter. They tend to fade into the background. That has not been the case this time around. And first off, we had Chris Wallace of Fox News for the first debate. Total disaster. Look, to be fair to him, he tried his best to kind yeah. of rein in the candidates. But I mean, on that occasion, as we've said repeatedly, Donald Trump is a disaster. He ignored the debate moderator. He argued with the moderator as much as he argued with Joe Biden, kept in interrupting. We did not see that last night. So much so that Chris Wallace, that previous moderator, actually in his own analysis on Fox News said, well done, Kirsten Welker. And I would have been jealous, he said. I would have loved to have moderated a debate like that, saying she had done a very good job. Even Donald Trump praised Kirsten Welker, which was most unusual because, as you say, he has criticised her in the past.
0: So nearly 50 million people have already cast their ballots in this election. A lot of voters have clearly made up their minds on who they want in office. But with this debate, we learned more about the two men than we did the last time around. What became clear was we have two candidates with two very different visions for the United States and of the United States. I know we're putting the cart before the horse here, but both were asked what they would say on Inauguration Day to people who didn't vote for them. And I think this showed those two different versions of America.
3: We have to make a country totally successful as it was prior to the plague coming in from China. Now we're rebuilding it and we're doing record numbers, 11.4 million jobs in a short period of time, etc. But I will tell you, go back. Before the plague came in, just before, I was getting calls from people that were not normally people that would call me. They wanted to get together. We had the best black unemployment numbers in the history of our country. Hispanic, women, Asian, people with diplomas, with no diplomas, MIT graduates, number one in the class. Everybody had the best numbers. And you know what? The other side wanted to get together. They wanted to unify. Success is going to bring us together. We are on the road to success. But I'm cutting taxes and he wants to raise everybody's taxes and he wants to put new regulations on everything. He will kill it. If he gets in, you will have a depression, the likes of which you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell and it'll be a very, very sad day for this country.
5: All right. Vice President Biden, same question to you. What will you say during your inaugural address to Americans who did not vote for you?
3: I will say
2: I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented. I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because we have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make things better. We can grow this economy. We can deal with the systemic racism. And at the same time, we can make sure that our economy is being run and moved and motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, What is on the ballot here is the character of this country. Decency, honour, respect, treating people with dignity, making sure that everyone has an even chance. And I'm going to make sure you get that. You haven't been getting it the last
1: four years.
0: Previous to that, Brian, with no noise this time around, there were a lot of promises last night.
1: Yes, the absence of shouting, insults and interruptions meant we could actually hear about policies and about points that they wanted to make. So Joe Biden on COVID-19, quite strong, I think. He said there was a dark winter ahead. Donald Trump insisted that they were rounding the corner. At one point, Donald Trump spoke about how we're living with it. Joe Biden was aghast and said, living with it? He said, we're dying from it. And he said, no president who has overseen so many deaths should be allowed to remain in office. But Donald Trump insisted that there would be a COVID vaccine by the end of the year. He promised a new health care plan. And he said he will release his tax returns when the government audit of them is complete. Joe Biden promised to transition away from the oil industry. That may come back to haunt him on some level. And I thought it was an interesting point in the debate, Jackie. It was on the climate change part. And we were coming near the end of the climate change bit, coming near the end of the debate, full stop. And Donald Trump said, what about oil, Joe Biden? What are you going to do about oil?
5: Okay, I have one final question. Would he close down, falls, down the oil industry? It falls. Would
1: you close it down it falls, the oil the industry? industry? I a
2: transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I
3: will that's transition.
1: a big statement. Are you going to move away from oil? Yes, I will, he said. And Donald Trump really latched on that. Oh, there was the surprise moment where he kind of went, oh, you're moving away from oil? Well, what do you think about that, Texas? What do you think about that, Pennsylvania? What do you think about that, Oklahoma?
2: It is a big statement. That's a big statement. Because I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh. I said, here's the deal. But it's a big do statement. That.
1: So much so, Jackie, that actually the Biden campaign afterwards had to issue a bit of a clarifying statement saying that Joe Biden wasn't talking about shutting down oil. He was talking about gradually transitioning away from oil subsidies. Remember, in this country, you have to be very careful yeah. with that kind of thing. It's like falling at the last
0: hurdle, isn't it, really?
1: Exactly. Remember Hillary Clinton with the Rust Belt voters and the steel and the coal? That went against her. Of course you have to be green. Of course you have to be climate change conscious. But this is still a country that's very dependent on fossil fuels, huge amounts of industry and jobs you have to... Tread very carefully when you're talking about shutting down those industries.
0: And there are other promises in there, too, from Biden, a path to citizenship for more than 11 million undocumented people in the US and a new health care plan called Biden care. There was a lot of talk, too, about people in history from Abraham Lincoln to Hitler. Once again, Donald Trump claimed that he has done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln.
3: I got criminal justice reform done and prison reform and opportunity zones. I took care of black colleges and universities. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark, but I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room.
2: Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. Come on, this guy has a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn.
0: The foghorn was probably a rehearsed line, but it was a good zinger, and we haven't really heard many zingers in these debates.
1: No, they came from time to time. I mentioned one at the top there where he said, you say they're living with it. Every, you know, People are dying from it, referring to COVID-19. Some quick, sharp turnarounds. Not that many of them, though. And, no, you're right. And these are often the ones that, that we've said before that stand the test of time following a debate. Some headline-grabbing moments. Some zingers landed one side or the other. But no, no clear uh, standout moment, I think, that will go down as, as the big memory from this one.
0: And while there was talk of Abraham Lincoln and Hitler, Joe Biden comparing the leader of North Korea to Hitler, that is, The politician or the idea of the American politician really came into focus during this debate. Donald Trump, he reverted back to something in 2016 that he is not a politician and wanting to remind people that he is the outsider here which has come in to drain the swamp of people like Joe Biden. You could see President Trump repeatedly trying to speak to those at home, those who felt let down by the Obama administration and voted for him instead of Hillary Clinton In 2016, Donald Trump said that Joe Biden is all talk and no action because he is a politician and everything that he is promising tonight he will not do because he cannot be trusted. I thought that was a very convincing move by Donald Trump.
3: You keep talking about all these things you're going to do and you're going to do this, but you were there just a short time ago and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I I ran because of you, I ran because of Barack Obama because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. Uh, I would have I, never run. I <laughs> ran because of you. I'm looking at you now, you're a politician. I ran because of you.
5: All right, Vice President Biden, your response to that and then I do have some uh, questions for both of you. Well,
2: I tell you what. I uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is you know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character, you know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I'm anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely.
5: Let me ask some follow Please respond if and this then we're going to have follow-up If this is first.
2: true
3: about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby, Joe. They're calling you simple. a corrupt politician. Nobody. President at the Trump.
5: Laptop I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. We're talking a look at about the, laptop the issue. From hell. President Trump. We're, we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race.
1: I think it is too. I think it's a good strength of Donald Trump's that he still portrays himself as the outsider, as the non-politician. And he's a good line that he uses all the time where he says, I've done more in 47 months than you have done in 47 years. And remember, Joe Biden, a 47-year career politician. Of course, Joe Biden sees that as an asset. I am experienced. Donald Trump takes it as a negative. You are the swamp. You are Washington. You're what I'm trying to overcome. You and Barack Obama are the reason I ran for president, because you'd let the country down so badly. The flaw, however, Jackie, as we've discussed before with this Donald Trump argument of I'm the non-politician, I'm the newcomer, I'm the outsider, is that he is not. He is the one that's been in the White House for the last four years, so if there are problems with the country, they're happening on his watch.
0: Joe Biden seemed relatively unfazed by all of this, I thought. And he has been preparing for attacks, especially about his son. Hunter Biden has been the focus of a lot of headlines in the US recently. Information from a laptop previously belonging to Hunter Biden has been released via the media, personal text messages from Hunter to Joe and emails about his dealings at Ukrainian Energy Company when Joe Biden was vice president. But, We didn't expect Joe Biden to be the one who brought up his son first.
2: There's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family and your family's hurting badly, if you're making less than — if you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they're bald, because we have to wait another month or so. Or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Or who's going to tell her she can't go back to, to community college? They're the decisions you're making in the middle class families like I grew up in
3: Scranton and Claymont. I want to I want to talk statement. about North Korea. Me, just I do want to turn second, to
5: 10 seconds, Mr. President, that's 10 a seconds, typical
3: political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks the family around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about not North a typical Korea. politician. OK, that's
1: President. why I got elected. Yeah. And it was interesting that, as you say, we all knew that the Hunter Biden attacks were going to be coming. We also knew How Joe Biden was going to respond and we knew that for two reasons. When Hunter Biden was raised during the first debate, I thought Joe Biden did a very good job of what they call pivoting, turned it around, he said, stop talking about my family, stop talking about your family, let's start talking about the families out there. And he does the point to the camera and he looks down the lens and he says, you're the families that are struggling, you're the families that we should be worrying about. It was effective in the first debate. Another reason we knew he was going to do it was that last night his campaign said he was going to do it. There was a briefing with journalists from the Biden campaign saying, yes, we're ready for the Hunter Biden attacks. Mm -hmm. And yes, he'll turn it around and say, it's all about the American family. It's not about the Biden family. And that is exactly what he did. But I thought actually Donald Trump did a pretty good job of counteracting that. He said, oh, that's such a politician answer. You turn around, you look down the lens, you point at the lens and you say it's about you, the American family out there. He says, you're such a politician. I'm the non-politician. I'm the real guy here. You're 47 years in the job and have done nothing.
0: I thought Donald Trump was very strong too when he tackled Joe Biden on his methods to speak to American voters too. You know the way Joe Biden tries to speak down the lens to those at home and be quite emotive about it? It was very clever and very effective.
1: Yep, and Donald Trump remained calm at all times. I'll come back to the mute button. I was fully expecting this scenario where Donald Trump would try to be saying a point and then his lips would just start moving and the sound (laughs) would go and he'd get frustrated and start waving his arms in the air. But there was none of that. He remained calm when he was told to quieten down. He pretty much did within seconds. And as we say, the mute button was barely called upon in the end. I am not praising the Donald Trump performance as perfect, however, because as always with a Donald Trump performance, there were plenty of, shall we call them, alternative facts Mm -hmm. and questionable claims and statements that maybe wouldn't meet what they called the Pinocchio test. But in the fiery back and forth of a debate, if you can lash out a point about Hunter Biden, about oil, about whatever... Maybe it'll resonate with a voter and maybe it'll win you a vote. And at the end of the day, right now, that's all it's about.
0: And I know it wasn't as dramatic as the first debate, uh, but there was still some sparring going on when immigration, health care and pay was spoken about. Bernie
3: Sanders tried
0: it in Bernie.
3: his state. He tried it in his state. His governor
0: was a very liberal
3: governor. They want to make it work.
5: OK, it, let's it, hear. It was let's let impossible, President impossible Biden to Biden work. It doesn't Vice work. Biden he's a very, Biden very confused
2: guy. He thinks he's running against somebody else. He's running against Joe Biden. I beat all those other people because I disagreed with them. Joe Biden, he's running against.
0: There was a lot of fire there, especially when Joe Biden took the floor. I think it's safe to say, though, it was a draw between the two men, Brian, wasn't it?
1: I agree. I think they both did what they both needed to do. From Donald Trump's perspective, he had to tone down the aggression. He had to tone down the interruptions. He did that and he was able to deliver some points, some zingers, Maybe some damaging blows. From Joe Biden's perspective, remember, he's way ahead in the opinion polls. His only task was not to mess up, not to have a gaffe, not to have a misstep. He is prone to gaffes, as we have discussed repeatedly on this podcast. He can have a short temper. He can get annoyed. He can get frustrated. We didn't see any of that. He kept everything on an even keel. It wasn't the most amazing debate performance from Joe Biden. There was a little bit of the rambling, a little Mm -hmm. bit of the losing his train of thought, a little bit of the tripping over what he was trying to say. But in general, pretty strong performance from both. They both immediately claimed victory. But the big point here, Jackie, is will it make a blind bit of difference? I don't think Mm. so. We are so far into this. We're only... A couple of just over a week out from election day. I can't
0: believe it. I can't. I know.
1: (laughs) At a time where with this unprecedented 50 million Americans already having cast their votes, I can't imagine there's anybody left out there who really hadn't made up their minds This was the last big pitch to reach out to those any undecided voters that were left on a big primetime TV audience. And I think they both did what they were supposed to do.
0: Okay, so let's go uh, to our panel now and see what the Democrats thought and what the Republicans thought of last night's debate. So David Litt, former speechwriter for Barack Obama and Greg Swenson from Republicans Overseas. Thank you both so much for joining us on States of Mind. An easy enough question to start. What did you both make of last night's debate? What stood out for you both? Uh, Greg, to you first.
6: Yeah, well, it was definitely a good night for, for the president. Um, there's, I don't think there's any doubt that... <laughs> it's an understatement to say it was better than the first debate, which was a complete debacle. I think we can all agree um, on that. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think we can. Here, here. So, but no, I think the president had a good night. You know, he, he stayed to the script, um, especially, you know, for, for, for him. Um, he was especially, you know, understated compared to his his usual, um, you know, his usual presentation. So, and I think, the, I think the mute button actually helped him, you know, because it, mm. it kept him on script, but it also enabled – Vice President Biden to communicate and, you know, sort of, I I wouldn't say make mistakes, but the voters needed to hear what Vice President Biden was for and what the president was for also. But I think, you know, they just hadn't, they surely didn't hear that in the first debate. So I think it was very refreshing. I think the president had a really great night. And I'm feeling that from not only what I saw, but the reaction that, that you're seeing today from from people on the left and the mainstream media who, who've who said it was a good night for the president, but, but it's not really going to move the needle or it doesn't matter. And that's usually to me a good sign that he, he did, he did well. And he, I'll argue he won the debate. If that's, if that's something that you can even
4: measure.
0: David, what do you think? Cause we definitely heard what both men stand for during last night's debate.
4: Well, uh, first of all, Greg and I absolutely agree on one thing. That was a much less, uh, unpleasant experience to sit through than the first debate. And the the president was able to keep it together a little bit. Um, it, it is, I think, a sign of where we are as a country that we say, thank goodness we have a mute button to keep the behavior of the leader of the free world in control a little bit. Uh, but that's where we are. I think if you look at what happened in that debate, it's actually a good reminder of why Trump uh, was so helpful for the Republican Party for such a long time, because we did get some contrasts. Um, the president talked about how uh, his plan on COVID is essentially to say, let's just learn to live with the virus. He talked about how he's opposed to raising the minimum wage. He talked about how he is, uh, you know, he's, he's spread some lies about Black Lives Matter uh, from the debate stage. I, I could go on. I mean, most probably most um, distressingly, I should add this. He he defended the policy of separating parents from their children says so fine that we took children from their parents because they're well taken care of. And what we saw from that is that every uh, public poll of the debate showed that Biden won. So what we're seeing is a more subdued Trump. But then when you strip away all the Trumpiness from Trump, you get a lot of deeply unpopular positions. And so that's why I would say Democrats are feeling pretty good right now. I mean, Trump needed an enormous win. And I would, Biden didn't get didn't win by as large margin as he did the first time around but he was still the winner in a debate that he could have lost. So that's pretty good if you're Joe Biden.
1: David, you're a speechwriter, and these debates are all about the zinger, the catchphrase, the one-liner that stands out. I thought there were some. There wasn't lots, but there were some. Joe Biden at one stage said, you talk about living with the virus, we're dying from it. Come on, man. From your perspective, watching it as a speechwriter, did you see many of those lines jumping out where he went, yeah, that's a good one?
4: I thought Joe Biden had a couple of good lines. Um, You know, he said, we're not going to shut down the I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country, stuff like that. But I actually think the to me as just a political communications person, the really impressive thing was we all knew that President Trump was going to try to bring up this Hunter Biden something or other. I still don't fully understand it um, in the debate. That was going to be his centerpiece and what he was hoping would be the October surprise in this election. And so what Vice President Biden did was he went on the offense first. He brought up Rudy Giuliani and Russian disinformation and got he the president took the bait, went on the attack. And then if you watch that tape, the, the vice president very skillfully went very quickly from rebutting the president's theory regarding Hunter Biden, which, like I said, I still don't fully understand, to saying if we want to talk about corruption, you know, I'm an open book. I've released my tax returns. How come you haven't released your tax returns? Don't talk about corruption until you do. And so you had what was supposed to be the marquee moment for President Trump instead become a moment where he was yet again defending his unwillingness to release his tax returns. That looks relatively easy when someone does it well. But that's like, you know, that's the kind of chess that we often talk about in politics, but almost never actually occurs. I'm going to add a little addendum to that.
1: After he did the whole, oh, your tax returns, he then went on this rebuttal that we've seen before when it comes to Hunter Biden. And he says, stop talking about my family. Stop talking about your family. And he points to the camera and he does the let's talk about the families out there, which is pretty effective. But I actually thought Donald Trump did a good job of turning that around and saying, oh, you're such a politician. That's such a politician thing to do, to point down the lens. What did you think of that, Greg Swenson? I thought Donald Trump did kind of well there, actually.
6: Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. And I think the president did well. Um, there was some it got into a little bit of schoolyard brawl when they were talking about, you know, your, your family's worse than my family. It's a little bit distracting. But look, I, I think that the president did well, because he he brought some things out into the open, that nece- he didn't necessarily have a knockout blow last night. And not only, I don't think that was his intention. I think it was to, to to create some openings that he can capitalize on in the next 10 days. And I think The Hunter Biden thing is interesting because Biden didn't deny it. He didn't deny the emails. He said he didn't take money from a foreign, you know, he didn't take foreign money, but he didn't say he didn't take money from, you know, domestic entities. You know, he's gotten paid rather handsomely from, from Penn, from University of Pennsylvania for doing, you know, four lectures a year. And, and that was contributed by the communist party to Penn for the Biden Institute. So, you know, they, they wrote a check for 70 million. So I think the voters are going to see this is just kind of seedy, you know, Washington insider swamp behavior. And I think that the president over the next 10 days will try to capitalize on that. And so I think, you know, but and and, and I think on the, the minimum wage thing, of course, you know, the Trump, the president polls much better than Biden in terms of, you know, how he would handle the economy. He's had a, a phenomenal track record on the economy, a 15 dollar minimum wage hurts small business. It hurts job creators and it hurts first time workers, you know, their first entry level job. So it's destructive to the economy. But Biden would counter with, OK, but then we'll have the government, the taxpayer come in and 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 help those businesses. Now, look, we're all for helping small businesses. And the president's been very clear on that with his um, stimulus packages. But, you know, I think the idea of the $15 minimum wage, it just shows you that that Biden is not in touch with the private sector. He's not in touch with people that work. And the president has had a great record not just pre-pandemic, but even post-pandemic, the the wage growth has been phenomenal. The employment numbers were fantastic. And I think that's where the president wins.
0: Greg, why do you think Donald Trump toned it down for this debate? Do you think he knows he may have overstepped the mark during the first one? <laughs> yeah.
6: I mean, it, it's a fantastic question. And the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, okay. the, the first debate was a debacle. I mean, it was, a, it was bad for both candidates, but it was especially bad for Trump. Um, I think the expectations were low for Biden going into the, to the debates and then, you know, the president made some mistakes, you know, that's an understatement in my view, but in the first debate. So then he came out last night almost as the underdog and it really worked for him cause he, he toned it down. I thought that was brilliant. He did a great job. He, you know, I think we caught, you know, vice president Biden in, in a lot of lies, but more importantly, as I said, he, he opened up some issues. That the voters didn't really hear about. I mean, the big tech basically shut down the New York Post article, and then the mainstream media ignored it. And I don't think they can anymore. I think the cat's out of the bag. And you had, you know, um, you know, you, you had a lot of news in the last couple of days that's been really good for the president. You know, starting with Amy Coney Barrett last week, and then you know this this scandal coming out, and you know, and the economic numbers have been really impressive. So I think he's got a, a lot of momentum right now.
0: Uh, David, something Greg was talking about earlier, do you think Donald Trump's tactics last night of painting Joe Biden as this corrupt politician, do you think that will work?
4: Let let me put it this way. I won't just say that I think it will work because I'm a Democrat. I feel like that's, you know, I'm I'm likely to do that. What I will say is that this is uh, four years ago, we had Jim Comey release this letter um, that brought Hillary Clinton's emails back to the forefront in the final days of the campaign. Um, I lost a lot of sleep over that cause I was like, this is going to be trouble. I was uh, very concerned that Trump would win and you know, that kept me up at night. I am going to sleep fine tonight and uh, unless some things change real quick every night through the election. I want to just bring up a few things cause I think they're important. Um, one of them that, that, you know, it's interesting what Greg said about the minimum wage because we see, we hear this all the time. Seattle passed a $15 minimum wage in Washington state and we heard this is going to kill jobs. This is going to close restaurants, this is going to do so much damage to the economy. Well, none of that happened. Jobs grew, wages went up. Everything was not just fine, but better than it was before. And so one of the things that I think voters are tired of, and one of the reasons voters have really soured on the Republican Party's agenda is that um, circumstances change, what we know to be true changes, but the policies don't change, the ideas don't change. And when you strip away the bluster and the bombast from the first debate, that becomes even more clear. So I think that, um, you know, to put it a little bit differently, uh, the the president's um, attitude, the first debate was a strategy. And I don't think that strategy paid off, but I don't think this strategy is gonna pay off either. Um, and when it comes to the Hunter Biden stuff, what's remarkable uh, is that not only did Trump not win a debate that he had to win by a big margin and he lost it, but actually that's last night, uh, at least last night in the United States, the Wall Street Journal, which is as mainstream media as they come, uh, I'm sure Greg will agree, it, they published a news piece debunking their own opinion section uh, run through of all this Hunter Biden stuff and saying Joe Biden has absolutely no connection to any of this. So as soon as this, you know, this was supposed to be the big bombshell and then it was immediately diffused. And by the way, Fox News on their news side this morning has come out and said the exact same thing. They've looked through all these emails and they couldn't find anything wrong. So. Um, You know, that goes back to sort of why I'm sleeping well when it comes to this story. Uh, You have not just uh, mainstream media, but even conservative media, except for the New York Post, um, cannot figure out how to tell this story in any sort of way that uh, criticizes Joe Biden. And that's just not I mean, Trump is down in the polls. It's not enough right now. If I was if I was the Trump campaign, if I was the Republican Party, I would be I would be talking about momentum Uh, because you always want to feel better as you get toward the end of an election season. I've been there. But, uh, you know, deep down, I think it's clear it's not enough.
1: Yeah. And that brings me to my question as the question that gets asked all the time after a debate. Does it matter? And I think the question this year is more relevant than ever because we have 50 million Americans have already voted. It doesn't even matter to them at all because they've already cast their ballot. So I'll go with you first, Greg Swenson. Donald Trump did well last night. Joe Biden did well last night. Does it matter? Will it make a difference?
6: Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. And you're right, there's been a lot of early voting. And typically, that helps the Democrats. Surprisingly, the, the numbers in Florida are interesting that the Republican ballots are up 173,000 over the Democrats, which I, I was really surprised about. So there's some kind of inside baseball stuff going on here with registrations, which the Republicans have, have been very successful at. They've They've outregistered the Democrats in, in Florida, Pennsylvania, some of the other swing states. You know, the, the, the other issue is, are there persuadables out there? And I've, I've seen a couple of numbers. One was three to six percent. The other was or three to seven percent. The other was six to ten. I'd be surprised if it was that high. I, I don't think there are a lot of persuadables. So I think this becomes a turnout election. You know, people have really made up their mind. You know, there might be some persuadables from the debate last night or some of these issues that have come up. I surely think that the anti-fracking and anti-energy independence thing is going to hurt Vice President Biden in Pennsylvania and the other upper Midwestern states. Um, But I I don't think that that's going to be massive because, again, there's not that many persuadables. It becomes a turnout election. The enthusiasm gap is obvious. Um, The Republicans are doing really well in the enthusiasm. Um, you know, you see the rallies, you know, at these rallies, you know, sometimes up to 50 percent of the people at the rallies are not registered Republicans. Twenty one percent last week were not registered. De- I mean, we actually registered Democrats and 17 percent did not vote in 2016. So you're seeing some really interesting metrics in
1: terms of enthusiasm and likely voters. So it's, it's going to be hard to predict. Same question to you, David Litt. As a speechwriter, how important are debates? Do they matter? Will they move the needle at all, particularly this year when so many people have already voted anyway?
4: Uh, Well, let's start with some areas where Greg and I definitely agree. So one is that I think turnout will be very high. I think it's going to be very high for both parties. So uh, if Democrats are counting on Trump not getting out his vote, they're going to be disappointed. But I think the reverse is true as well. Um, Early voting, it's always hard to tell um, because... You never know whether those voters are just voting early out of convenience or whether they wouldn't have voted. Um, this year, it's even more difficult to tell than ever. So uh, the numbers look good. Um, I, just to clarify something, the the inside baseball piece, the the what Greg was referring to was in-person early votes in Florida, whereas when you add in the mail votes and the in-person votes, Democrats are currently up a lot. But that's not a reason for Democrats to get complacent or overly excited. It just means their voters are very eager to turn in ballots early. So I would say if you're looking for the impact of this debate, it might move the polls. If I had to guess half a point in Biden's favor because he was judged the winner, um, you know, uh, I don't know. You can buy me a beer if, if I'm right, but more likely I'll be buying you a beer because that's a very specific prediction. The broader prediction that I would make is that you need... The race to change, if you're Trump, and I don't think the race is going to change. You know, we we're, we need a three point swing plus a big polling error, like we saw in 2016. Um, it may happen. I, I'm sure. I'm not, you know, at all absolutely sure that Biden's going to win. But this wasn't it. So we'll see what happens next. But I think overall, the the impact of the debate is either slightly favorable to Biden or basically a wash when Biden's already ahead.
0: Well, there was no mute button needed during this discussion either. So thank you so much, David Litt, former speechwriter for Barack Obama, and Greg Swenson from Republicans Overseas. Thank you both so much for joining us on States of Mind.
4: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us.
0: Last week, next week, uh, before the chaos, I mean Election Day. uh, I don't know what's going to happen, Brian.
1: None of us do. I mean, everybody's looking at the timelines. We've talked about this before. In a previous US election, it was usually around 2 a.m. US Mm. time, Eastern time, that you start to know a result, which was perfect timing for Ireland, because it was kind of 7 a.m., 8 a.m., people are just waking up, turning on Morning Ireland, just as the presidential result was coming in. I'm sure we all remember where we were four years ago when that shock Donald Trump victory happened. But... This year, as we've discussed in the past, Jackie, we don't know. It could be that night. It could be the next day. It could be, be days. It could be weeks. Later, it could end a week later. It could end up in the courts. We just don't know. So while everybody is talking about "it'll be all over in a week." You could really say it's only going to be beginning in a week. It's going to be uh, an exciting night. It's going to be an interesting night. It's going to be an unpredictable night. And that night could become days, if not weeks.
0: And there's loads of coverage on RTE overnight that night. There's a television programme. There's Morning Ireland starting early the following day. I'll be on the overnight, Brian you will be up to your eyes in stuff. So next week is the last week. Don't forget, if there's any kind of holes you want filling in terms of your knowledge about what's to come in this election, statesofmind at rte.ie, get in touch. And hopefully we can answer that in our podcast next week.
1: And no mute buttons in sight. We will not be interrupted. (laughs) We will answer whatever queries you have and... Chat to you next week, Jackie. My God, we're here. It's, it's it's as I say, is it over or is it all I about to begin? I think, all will be revealed. I
0: think chat to you a couple of times next week, Brian.
1: I have no doubt. Chat to you then. Bye-bye.